0: Indeed, today is the day. This is Monday, the 28th of October. If you're just now joining us, this is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for taking us along today. It is a joy and a privilege to be with you. Lots of things in the headline news at the top of the hour. Um, If you just take them all together and then you add them to the Monday morning demands of your own life and those around you, uh, we may have a tendency to feel overwhelmed. Linda Mental, Dr. Linda Mental is going to be here in just a moment. She and I are going to talk about the experience of being overwhelmed. And so as a lead in into that, I want to ask this question, not what overwhelms you, because that's actually a pretty easy list for us to come up with. But I want to ask you this, what whelms you? What whelms you? Whelm is all on its own, both a noun and a verb. So what whelms you? To be whelmed is to be like hit with a wave that covers you. And ordinarily, we think of being overwhelmed. We think of it, of the negative effects of something whelming us, of, of covering us up, of knocking us off, off our feet. Um, but transcendent beauty, transcendent goodness, joy, they can also whelm us. And so what whelms you in a positive sense? Maybe you've been whelmed by God's grace. I'm hoping that you have. I'm hoping that you have certainly had the experience of having been whelmed by the cross. Um, it, It could overwhelm, but it should also whelm us that God would so love, that God would be so just, that God would be so compassionate, that God would love us so overwhelmingly that he would whelm us with the grace of the cross. Grace whelms me Uh, God's love and justice perfectly displayed, invading a moment, changing everything. Um, So as we consider what overwhelms us and how to deal with feeling overwhelmed, which is going to be the subject of my initial conversation with Dr. Linda Mental here in just a moment, I want us to also consider positively, on the positive side, how we have been whelmed by the grace of God. So what whelms you? We'll be right back. Joining me now, Dr. Linda Mental. You hear her here on the Faith Radio Network on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can find her online at dr
1: Linda, welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me. I really was thinking about what you said. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody use that term "whelmed by." Uh, that's really an interesting way to think about it, and the definition that you gave uh, as a positive thing. Um, so that was that was kind of cool, Carmen. Well, thank you. I, you know,
0: if I've provoked you to think differently <laughs> yeah. or in, a, in, a, in an additional way about something, I really feel like my work here is done. There you go. <laughs> um, I, miss, I miss talking with you. Like, I don't really know how long it's been, but I feel like it's been too long. So thank you. Uh, welcome back. Um, I love some of the things that you've been posting, and so I just want to focus on a couple of those Uh, post today. And our listeners can find uh, the content of what Linda and I are going to talk about today at DrLindaMental.com. The first one that caught my attention is this conversation about being overwhelmed. And I'll just go ahead and admit, I am feeling overwhelmed in my life, and I am suffering all of the negative effects that you talk about here. Like, I, I have work-related or family-related or friend-related or community-related things that are on my list that I feel obligated to attend to and check off. And so little time for exercise and self-care, which is in your lead paragraph. Man, I, like, I feel like I'm living right there. So talk with us about what happens to our bodies and our minds when we are overwhelmed.
1: Well, and it's only going to get worse. Let's think about this because we're starting to go into the holiday uh, time and you add all of those things onto it. There was an interesting thing. I was was working on one of the shows to come up and as I was working on some of the holiday stress and the things that really get to people, there was something in one of the articles called decision fatigue and I, I started thinking about that. What is that? And so what it is, is when you have to make all these decisions about so many things. And as the holidays come in, they were using the example of just something like having to buy a gift. And you have to think about, well, when will I go? Where will I go? Should I, you know, should I have a gift wrap? Should I not have? And they were going through all these decisions that you make. And it was like, you get fatigued just by all the things that you have to do. So obviously, when you're feeling overwhelmed, that kind of fatigue sets in and mentally You're slower when you're overwhelmed because you've got so many distractions. And we know from the neuroscience that the brain is not really good at multitasking a lot of things. Women do it a little bit better than men, but the brain really can't focus on multiple things at one time. So when you have so much on your plate, you start to get slow. Sometimes you get really confused because you're thinking, wait, what am I supposed to be doing now? Or who was I supposed to meet? Who was I supposed to call? And then obviously that leads to being forgetful as well. And so there's a concentration problem, I think, when I get overwhelmed. I'm not focused on enough things, um, and my mind begins to race from thing to thing. I get distracted, and when all that happens, I just get tired, and I just don't make really good decisions. So that's one of the reasons why it's important to stop and kind of say, okay, there's too much going on. That's not going to change, but how can I respond to all of this?
0: And I also feel like although we mentally get slower, um, My temper gets shorter.
1: Yeah, you get more irritable. You get irritable yes. because you got, it's like I'm not getting to all the things done that I need to get done. And if you're somewhat of a Type A person, which I'm going to guess both of us what? are, yeah, we get really <laughs> upset when we can't get to our list or we can't get it all done or we're you know so far behind. <laughs> and it really is uh, something that is fatiguing. So I thought that that whole thing about decision fatigue was really kind of a cool concept because. It's true. When you have a lot of things on your plate, you're constantly making decisions. If you're a mom, you're constantly making decisions during the day and having to juggle things and problem solve and figure things out and balance things. You know, um, So there's a lot uh, to this when you're, when you're feeling so stressed by the things around you that you have to have some strategies to kind of say, okay, enough. Now, what am I going to do about all of this?
0: Okay, so I want to talk about those strategies, but let's remind people I am talking with Dr. Linda Mental. You can find the article we are discussing, Reducing Feelings of Being Overwhelmed at DrLindaMental.com. Give me some strategies. I like like the idea of taking something off my plate, delegating and asking for help, but that's hard for me.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me too, because sometimes I feel like I can do it better. And that's not (laughs) the point. (laughs) The point is, that if you can start delegating and if you can start teaching someone else to do some of the things that maybe you're responsible, especially if you're at work and you, you have so much always on your plate, it's good to start looking around for people that you can mentor that you can say, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give you some, you know, work on this and it would be really helpful to me if you would do some of this." Same thing at a home, you know, getting teenagers to be more a uh, part of maybe cleaning and the tasks that you have to do around the house rather than always doing for it. But you're right, Carmen, you have to be willing to say it may not get done exactly like I want it to, but at least if I have other people helping me, it's one more thing I can say, okay, that's off my plate for now.
0: So this will tell you a lot about my, uh, my family and my growing up. Um, anytime that it felt like you had too much on your plate, we were encouraged to just get a bigger plate. So, so, I don't know, it was about a year ago when I was like, my plate, my plate, my plate is just, well, maybe it was two years ago, and and my mom was like, "Mm, time for a turkey platter. So, I'm just telling you that, like, some of us, this is, like, really, really hard, the moving things off of our plate onto the plates of others, sharing the joy, sharing the feast of opportunity. These are the (laughs) images I'm trying to uh, embrace. All right, when we come back, can we move to a conversation about uh, good gossip?
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I love that. We're gonna take a I quick to break. I want talk about you in the meantime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I I think that if people are talking about me behind my back, it's good. So I am completely uh-huh. wired to want people to talk about me behind my back. So there you go. All right, I'm gonna well, continue my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental here in just a moment. We're gonna transition from talking about being overwhelmed to good gossip. Can gossip be good? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
2: Give me a good cup of
0: Continuing my conversation with Dr. Linda Mental, you can find what we're talking about at drlindamental.com. You can also hear Linda every week here on the Faith Radio Network on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Um, okay. So this, uh, this article in the Atlantic caught your eye. It was entitled Gossiping is Good, but it did have a question mark. So, right. um, so tell us about what they say and then what you and I can talk about whether or not gossip can ever be good.
1: Yeah, so because you have my uh, curiosity up now based on what you said before the break. But <laughs> there were really three points in there that, that they were saying. The first one was that there was some conclusion from some studies that they had done that two people who share negative gossip over a third person actually bond and feel very close to each other. So the implication of that was, well, gossiping can actually be a good thing if you're building a bond with another person over a third person that you're talking about now we have a lot of problems with that scripturally but this is this is one of the things that they were saying second point that they made is that sometimes if you gossip about someone and i'm guessing that this would be maybe related to social media and ways that people hear the gossip and see the gossip about them them that sometimes that person is motivated to make some type of change in their life and then the third point was culturally, it gives us some type of identity, a shared identity, um, in terms of, and we do have a culture of gossip. I mean, that is true. We've got TV shows that are based on gossip. And, you know, people make a living doing that. Um, So certainly with social media, gossip has gone rampant in our culture. So that's part of the identity, I guess, of the American culture. And they were saying, maybe that's an okay thing. Maybe that's a good thing.
0: So uh, when I Think that well when I know that people are talking about me, and sometimes people just say, "You know, I heard people talking about you." My because I have such an exaggerated sense of myself, maybe is the issue here. Um, I I just well they must be saying good things. It's there's you know right. So that's when 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 people are talking about me behind my back, my uh, my go-to thought process is, well, I wonder what they were saying because I wonder what thing they were celebrating. I wonder what you know like. Positive quality, I know, and so this you, gives people a little window into Carmen. Uh, if you're talking about me, I assume it's good. Well, that's an interesting
1: assumption. I know I'm so people, flawed. Most people would do the exact opposite and think something's bad. And I, uh, you know, the hope was that you would be falling into that second category. I just mentioned that you know if it's it's a problem, then you're going to correct your ways. But true,
0: true, true, true. Yeah. Now that is true, and I guess I totally trust that not only am I pretty self-aware of my flaws. And I am, and I know they are many. Um, but I also have really trustworthy people very close to me in my life who speak those kinds of truths directly to me. And so, um, I mean, you know, are people, uh, you know, talking about the fact that "Mm, she's looking a little more hippie these days than uh, than she used to? Um, You know, maybe they are, but maybe they are also maybe talking more often about what they're what they're hearing and how they're being inspired and the quality uh, of a character trait than they are a physical attribute this week. So I think that part of, you know, part of my hope is that we can spark positive gossip and I call it goss up. Like, right. Could we spark a goss up movement? where people talk positively about one another.
1: Well, let, let's be real clear, though, Carmen, in the Bible, it's very clear that gossip is not something we're supposed to be doing. I mean, when you read right. scripture and you put the list that it in, it is included in is pretty, pretty bad. It's in with envy and murder and strife and <laughs> deceit and maliciousness. That's not a great list to be, uh, you know, be included in. So the problem I had when I read the article was like, you know, seriously, isn't there better? Aren't there better ways to bond with people other than mm. by talking? about them. In the therapy world, we call that an unhealthy triangle. You know, mm-hmm. two people are talking about somebody rather than talking directly to that person. So that is not a positive strategy in any sense of the way. And the other part about, you know, maybe helping someone correct their behavior, just go to the person and talk to them directly. That's the biblical instruction in Matthew 18, is that you go to them. And then so I think in some ways, what you're talking about really isn't Gus's gossip at all and you're changing it to gossip, it's really what the Bible tells us to do, which is to encourage one another and to do it by building each other up. And gossip does not do that in any way. So I just thought again, here we are with a little bit of a cultural clash, you know, the the they're trying to spin gossip into maybe something good, and yet we know from a biblical point of view, there's nothing really good about gossip. In the long run, gossip really does harm people. And it you know, it's careless words and again we're supposed to be careful with our words we're supposed to use our tongue to build up not tear down so i really couldn't find anything good about gossip
0: and i completely and totally agree i think that the well i think that the motivation of the writers of the atlantic is uh, is interesting to me though they they okay. want a they want to find a redemptive thread like there's a re, there's a desire to find redemption in in the very, very most secular expressions of the world, like that's it's, in there somewhere.
1: Well, I think the one of it gets people, it gives them a bond and it gets them close. It's, it's like, are we that desperate in our culture to find ways to bond with another person in order to have an intimate relationship with them? I would hope that, the, you know, doing that by picking somebody that you can both, you know, chatter about and and talk negatively about is not the only way we can do that. And yet, if you look at a lot of television shows, and you listen to a lot of talk radio, that's not, you know, not like this type of talk radio, but it is all about gossip. It's all about what I saw and, and you know what we can tear down about this person and people kind of get together and they feel good about it when they do that. But just because you feel good, about tearing down another person. Usually that's because you don't feel so good about yourself. And it makes you feel a little bit more secure by, you know, telling someone else or talking about someone else in a negative way. But that's just not the way to do it. So to me, it was sort of like, we're accommodating the culture, and we're going to try to find some upspin on this thing. But it, it just doesn't fly when you think about healthy relationships and the way that you really should deal with people one on one
0: absolutely i uh so let me just encourage people again to go go check out what linda has written about this you can find it at drlindamental.com um okay let's uh let's reach reach back we have you and i have talked about your newest book but for those who may have missed that particular day um why don't you take 2 minutes and tell people about uh, about your newest book
1: Thanks. Yeah, I would love to do that because there, there's there been an opioid crisis that we all know about. There's been a, an alarm sound about that. And so as we were sounding the alarm for a couple of years, um, another physician and I I decided we've got to do something to uh, help people. So we're sort of like the fire truck coming in and saying, okay, we've got the alarm. Now, what can we do? And what we looked at was the 100 million people who are suffering with chronic pain, knowing that a number of the people that are, In chronic pain have been hooked on prescription narcotics and opioids and so we wanted to provide uh, a ton of alternatives that you can do other than getting on an opioid one of the things that people need to understand is that opioids typically aren't all that effective with chronic pain you build a tolerance you can become addicted and they can cause a lot of problems with constipation and a whole lot of physical uh, side effects so we wanted to give people a number of things they can do first understand what chronic pain is about um, because it's really important to understand that it's very different it is a physical state in your body it becomes a disease state with your central nervous system getting sensitized your brain rewires and so you really do feel that pain but there's no stimulus to that pain anymore and that's why it's so difficult to change so we go through a lot of mind body treatments a lot of alternative treatments that you can do besides taking a prescription. And hopefully it's going to help a lot of people.
0: So it's entitled Living Beyond Pain, A Holistic Approach to Manage Pain and Get Your Life Back. You can find a direct link to it at drlindamental.com. Linda, thanks again so much.
1: Thanks. Great talking to you. We'll be right back.
0: Okay, I feel obligated to do one sports segment and to do it very quickly. Uh, The World Series, uh, they have now played five games. The first two games were in Houston, and the Washington Nationals won both of those games. The next three games were played in Washington, D.C., and the Houston Astros won all three of those games. So as it stands, the Astros are up three games to two in the World Series, and so the series returns to Houston— for what will either be a final game six if the Astros win, or a series that will go to seven games uh, on Wednesday if the Nats win tomorrow. That that Here's why I'm saying that. So far, there has been literally no home field advantage. None. So, uh, I don't know. It's a shout out to the visiting team. That's, that's what I have in sports today. All right, because the other sports headline is that ridiculous one from uh, the Big Sky Conference, where a uh, the female athlete of the week is in fact not a female. Alright, so uh, that's it for sports. We are headed to the international headlines next with Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. He'll be back with a Brexit update. We're going to talk a little al-Baghdadi and then a little bit of Northern Ireland. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, I've got a question for you. What do you and your team talk about on a daily basis? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. You probably discuss things like school or sports or homework or chores. And while those aren't bad topics, relationships require going much deeper. Do your conversations sound more like pointless banter than engaging dialogue? Just because you're talking doesn't mean you're relating. Try picking their brain on decisions you're making. And once they start talking about your stuff, try flipping the focus back on them. Mom, Dad, cut the chatter. Dig a little deeper and look for ways to really connect with the heart of your teen. And when the words finally start to flow, sit back and listen. Looking for
2: more parenting wisdom? Go online to parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. My name is Bond, James Bond.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm always a little hard-pressed on Monday to find a new way to introduce uh, Dr. David Aikman, the editor of Godspeed Magazine. So today I will say he is in a time zone that has already fallen back, and we are in time zones that have not yet fallen back. So I think you are an additional hour ahead of us today.
2: That's right, yeah, something like that. It's always the same in the spring and the autumn. There's always a one- or two-week hiatus. Before they
0: get converted. Before we get converted. See, I I love that. So one of of the fascinating things about the U.K. is that um, in terms of the geography that we think about there in England and Scotland and Wales, I suppose, is all one time zone, right? And then there are actually nine time zones around the world. Where the UK still uh, includes territories and crown dependencies, and so I don't, you know, it's an interesting when we talk about time, it's an interesting uh, conversation to have. But we appreciate you being with us here uh, in the good times and the bad. And let's talk. Let's start today with um, right. the death. The death of Al Baghdadi. Um, maybe give us some international reactions that you're hearing.
2: Well, I think everybody is. Um very happy that the guy has gone down, but of course there are a lot of people immediately saying, "Well, this not the end of IS," which is true. Um, IS is still around. They're going to do revenge attacks, etc., etc. Which is sort of, um, I think, missing the forest for an individual tree. I mean, it is obviously true that he's have successes and people who will inherit his position, the ideology of this vile movement is still continuing, and nobody's going to be able to put a complete lid on that. But the fact is that he was an unparalleled strategic asset for IAS because he was experienced militarily, had a deep ideological knowledge of his whole belief system. And he was able to uh, operate with a very effective system of, of connections with the lower authorities in the organization. So I think it's a very significant end to uh, the problem. It's not the complete elimination of I, but it goes a long way towards that.
0: I would agree with you on every single point. Um, So thank you so much for just, you know, helping us recognize. um, Sometimes, David, we we only have a sense of things, you know, here within the United States. And I always think that it's helpful uh, when we are somewhat captive to our own media. Um, It's it's helpful to recognize that others around the globe are seeing the same things that we're seeing and sometimes seeing those things a little bit differently. So I always really appreciate your perspective. Um, well, could you, thank you Yeah, bring us up to speed on Brexit. We uh here's what I think I know. I think I know that it's delayed but no date yet.
2: Yes. Well, what's coming up is a an attempt by the Conservative government of Boris Johnson to introduce a bill in parliament to call for a national election in the UK on December 9th. And Now, he, under the current terms of the Fixed-Term Parliament Act of about 2011, I think it was, that requires a two-thirds majority and members of Parliament. And because Labour is probably not going to support that proposition, I don't think it's going to pass. But on the other hand, the Lib Dems and the Scottish Nationalists Ironically, have come up with their own solution of a simple bill that only requires a, an ordinary majority, a uh, mathematical, normal mathematical majority to uh, create an election on December 9th. The reason for that is universities and schools are um, still operating on that earlier date, and students tend to be more left-wing than the rest of the population. So they want the advantage of canvassers and vote-getters to support their particular party. I think in spite of that, if the Conservatives lose, if Boris loses the um, effort to get uh, a simple election on the two-thirds Authority for December 9th, I think they will probably go for the uh, Liberal Democrat proposition as the next best thing.
0: All right, David, I'd um, I'd love to take a pivot toward Northern Ireland, which I think is not geographically very far from where you are right now. Um, and I'd right. like to touch on what we're reading about the uh, maybe the changing laws in Northern Ireland related to tremendous, tremendously significant ethical matters, including abortion and same-sex marriage.
2: That's right. Well, to Northern Irish, the biggest political party in Northern Ireland is the Democratic Unionist Party, which is obviously politically conservative because it used to be aligned with the Boris Johnson government. But more importantly, is philosophically and religiously conservative, and they have for a long time maintained strict opposition both to abortion and to same-sex marriage. Now, the Republic of Ireland introduced both abortion legislation and same-sex marriage, uh as, say, about three or four years ago, and so the sole holdout in the British Isles has been that of um, of the Northern Irish uh, political party, so they are going to be overruled, spite of the fact that they don't want. Um, they certainly they want to save the lives of unborn babies by restricting or prohibiting abortion altogether, but they're going to be overruled by the United Kingdom Parliament because they have not been able to operate the kind of coalition majority in their Northern Ireland parliament, which they agreed to do originally with with Sinn Féin, with the Republican Nationalists. So given that impasse politically in Northern Ireland and the parliament, the United Kingdom is going to impose new conditions.
0: Okay, so although... On the 21st of October, um, abortion and gay marriage became legal in Northern Ireland for the first time. What you're telling us is that is likely to be reversed by Parliament.
2: Well, no, no.
0: Oh, I'm misunderstanding. Then, Sorry. Explain again. I'm so sorry.
2: All right. The U.K. Parliament um, has approved of abortion and same-sex marriage for everybody living in the U.K., And of course, Mm -hmm. Northern Ireland is part of the UK, but until recently, they were able to maintain in the same way that Scotland maintains through the Scottish Parliament, they were able to maintain resistance to the introduction of both abortion and same-sex marriage in the way that it had been introduced in the rest of the UK. And they're not going to be able to resist this particular effort. To slow down the whole progressive agenda that's being uh, sort of slowly squeezed onto the body politic of uh, England, Scotland and Wales and now Northern Ireland.
0: Hmm. All right. So these UK law these comprehensive UK laws are now being applied in Northern Ireland.
1: Um, that's, right, that's maybe yeah. a
0: better better way of me understanding what's happening. David, thank you That's for your right. patience. Thank you for your patience in well, explaining it twice. Sometimes I am uh, I am thick.
2: Don't worry, uh, we're all fairly thick here when it comes to different <laughs> nationalities in, in the Great Britain. So you're not
0: wrong. Okay, you and I are going to take sure. a very brief break, and when we come back, let's uh, let's get an update on Hong Kong, and then if we've got time, I'd love to hear uh, your reaction to the protests in Lebanon. So those conversations up next with David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. We'll be right back. Christians in Hong Kong are uh, continuing to sing hallelujah to the Lord. Dr. David Aikman is here. He's editor of Godspeed Magazine. Um, Sir, let's have an update on what's happening uh, in Hong Kong.
2: Well, essentially, the... Regime has not backed off. It still has imposed restrictions on wearing masks. It is still prohibiting protests in various places. But in spite of that, the protests are actually continuing. And what seems to have become more resolved is the willingness of young people not only to be arrested if necessary, but even to face death. I mean, they are sometimes coming up with slogans uh, out loud at these protests, liberty or death, which is fairly radical. And it's most unusual that in a place like Hong Kong where uh, sort of violent or or at least very active protest of this kind hasn't been seen at all in, in recent years for this to continue. But I think it reveals um, a sort of surrounding of the basic resistance by very, very large numbers of Hong Kong people who realise that in spite of the withdrawal of the extradition bill, the reality is that the People's Republic of China and the Communist Party's secret police have tightened their grip on the whole uh, social structure of the place, and it's very difficult to resist that.
0: So as we um, continue to pray for the people in Hong Kong, I think, David, one of the things I want to encourage Christians to do is recognize that you know there are a lot of Christians in Hong Kong. They are not going anywhere, and they are very much attempting to stand in the gap. Um, and so I think that praying Praying for people who are putting themselves literally physically in harm's way on behalf of of others is uh, it's not only, you know, Im- imperative that we pray for them, um, but that God use them as a testimony and a witness in ways that's really at this point hard to imagine. Um, I'd love to talk about, yeah, I'd love to talk about Lebanon. Um, For people who are not paying attention to all of the protest hotspots around the world, um, let's just lift up this one, because there are so many places we could point today in terms of protests. But let's um, uh, unpack for us a little bit of what's going on in Lebanon.
2: Well, Lebanon, as you probably know, has been ruled by a strange hybrid coalition of political forces for several years. The Prime Minister, Said Hariri, is uh, nominally, at least, from the Christian ethnic community. But there is a large crowd of uh, Shia, fanatic Shia-supporting Muslims who have been, uh, you know, under the leadership of somebody called Nasrallah, who have been helping support uh, President Assad of Syria keep his regime afloat in Lebanon. So hitherto, there's been a sectarian divide in Lebanese politics, uh, basically between the people supporting the Hezbollah uh, Islamic crowd in the government and the people opposing it, obviously falling along the lines of the Shia Muslims and the Christians on the other side. But the recent developments have been a much more fundamental protest by everybody at the complete collapse of normal civic services like hot water, um, indeed water supplies, any kind, electricity, and so forth. And to top it off, they started the government started imposing a, a surtax on the use of the WhatsApp feature for international phone calls, which absolutely enraged the Lebanese, who have multiple contacts with family members and friends all over the world. And they thought this was just the last straw. So it's a very difficult situation. They demand the complete change of government, new elections, but whether they will be able to come up with a political party that's able to mold these different different groups together in unity, I just don't
0: know. David, um, again, thank you so much for your insight, your wisdom, your perspective. We uh, we really genuinely appreciate it. And have um, have a great rest of the day, even though it's one hour less than you would have had last week.
2: All right. Thank you so <laughs> or maybe much. Maybe it's one then... hour
0: more. Maybe it's one hour more. One hour more. Dude, yeah. make, make yeah. the yeah. most of your additional hour.
2: Well, we did get that already on Sunday, so we, unfortunately, <laughs> that's now in the past. <laughs> anyway, have a good. blessed
0: have a blessed week, my friend.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we uh, we got to take one more quick break, and then I'll be right back to read our listener feedback on what whelms you. You can still communicate with me, uh, your what whelms me answer at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. That's the number that you can text. What whelms you? We'll be right back. I did All right, so we led off at one point, I don't know when, but during the show today, I asked the question, what whelms you? Maybe it was at the top of this hour. And some, uh, some of you have responded. And so Virginia in St. Paul uh, reminds us that the definition of whelm is to engulf, submerge or bury, flow or heap up abundantly. And then Kim in Sioux Falls shares this, what whelms me? Being totally enveloped in our God's awesomeness. Being with loved ones, being productive, getting things done also whelms me. And then Barb in Madison. And uh, for for our um, for our friends at Faith 102.5 in Madison, this is when you want to start uh, recording the highlight reel. Barb in Madison says, certain songs I hear on Faith 102.5 in Madison whelm me. Casting Crowns has a couple on right now. Reckless Love of God. It just gives me goosebumps and tears. It was a song I heard on that station, and then she puts in all caps, by accident, uh, that got me hooked, li- uh, hooked line, and sinker. My life has been so blessed. Um, and she refers there to 1190 and 102.5 in Madison. So a little shout out there to our, um, our friends in Madison in Madison today on the music side. So um, we do have a music side to everything that we do, and you can check that out at MyFaithRadio.com. If you need some encouraging music today, we've got that. Uh, We've got that for you as well. Why don't you share today's show with somebody new? You can go and grab the podcast a little bit later today at MyFaithRadio.com. You can send it in a text or an email to somebody who you think would be encouraged or inspired by the conversations we're having here on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day, and God bless.